It's time for Cadillac On Call on News Radio 610 KONA. It's your chance to learn valuable health information right here in our community. Now, the host of Cadillac On Call, here's Jim Hall. Hello, friends. Welcome to Cadillac On Call. Each week, we are here to share the latest health news and information important to our community and our patients. Since early March, much of that time has been spent examining the impact and prevalence of COVID-19 and the work being done to limit the spread of the virus in our region. On today's program, we'll get a statewide view on the pandemic from the head of the Washington State Department of Health, a regional view from the District Health Officer of Benton and Franklin Counties, and a Tri-Cities Healthcare perspective from Cadillac Chief Executive Reza Khalil. But first to the phones we go and to the western side of the state. Welcome, Dr. John Wiesman, Secretary of the Washington Department of Health. Hello, Secretary Wiesman. Thanks again for your time today. Why don't you begin by sharing a COVID-19 status report, if you will, for the state of Washington as we visit here on October the 21st. Sure, happy to do so, Jim. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, First of all, let me just uh, congratulate uh, folks in Benton Franklin counties for all of what you've done to bring your rates down. Um, We've been really pleased with how hard you've been working in that and masking up. That's been great. Um, So thank you for that and congratulations. Um, In terms of the state, we are uh, seeing an increase in cases, uh, and we had had like this nine-week decline, which we were really happy with, but a few weeks ago, cases started going up again, and we're actually uh, now believing we are in in a fall surge, and it has us quite concerned. Um, At the low, uh, when we were coming down before, uh, we were at 357 cases, um, new cases a day being reported. We're now back up to 375. So just in a couple of weeks, uh, we have started seeing over 200 more cases of um, COVID being reported each day. So that's concerning, I think, as people are moving back inside um, and I think letting down their guard and and not thinking about those family and social gatherings as a place that we need to sort of mask up and and take our precautions. So we think we're uh, in the fall surge and uh, the good news is we're early enough in it that if we all really come together, hunker down on our, on our um, sort of uh, health prevention behaviors uh, for COVID, that we can actually squash this, and that's our hope. And I know you mentioned the statistics and those that we have been following these metrics for the past several months uh, in our area. I know the numbers of hospitalizations are uh, well within, not close to where they were last summer. And then the deaths that we we have not been seeing, which is a great thing, obviously, uh, have been remained low. What's happening? Are, is this trending? Are you seeing that in other parts of the state uh, as well as the increasing cases? Or what what are those two metrics showing you? Right, so we are starting to see an increase in hospitalizations as well, Um, and hospitalizations usually um, fall maybe like two weeks behind uh, rising numbers of cases because it generally takes maybe that long from someone starting to experience symptoms before they're really hospitalized, seven, ten days, two weeks, somewhere in there. So those numbers are going up, um, and our deaths at the moment are um, kind of unstable, but still at the low level. 
But again, deaths sort of um, come maybe three or four weeks after we start seeing um, an increase in cases. So we're pretty concerned, especially on, uh, especially on the west side. Uh, cases are increasing in all age groups on the west side. And uh, we know that as, a, as cases increase in the older age populations, that's when we particularly start seeing uh, a large increase in deaths. I know we'll get a perspective from Dr. Person for Benton and Franklin counties, but my understanding from talking to the health districts here, uh, some of those issues that you mentioned, this pandemic fatigue or maybe contributing to some of the increasing rates, is that what you're thinking around the rest of the state as well? Yes, I think uh, pandemic fatigue. But the other thing that I think is happening is people have understood that if they're out in public, you know, in grocery stores, hardware store with people you don't know that masking up is a good thing. But what I think people have not quite sort of put together is, hey, even the people we know, our friends, our extended family who maybe don't live in our household with us, that we still have to take those precautions with them as well. Because this virus, as we all know, can can transmit like two days, three days before symptoms even start. And so you can feel really well. And, you know, like I trust my neighbor, I trust my best friend of 20 years who I've been getting uh, with every day and sort of have this uh, relationship with them that I don't necessarily put them in the same, I think, mindset as a stranger. Um, So we really need people as they are thinking about the colder winter uh, coming inside to really follow these prevention measures. You know, first of all, if you can gather with your friends like outside, bundled up, maybe around, you know, a fire pit or something, uh, do that, mask up, stay six feet at least away, that's the safest thing to do. And if you're coming inside, really have a small, small group of, of people who you are interacting with outside of your household. Try to keep that consistent that you're only meeting with those folks and they're only meeting with you. And, you know, even indoors, like open your windows if you can, uh, get some air circulation and wear those face coverings even inside with your friends who you might just be chatting with and keeping that six feet of distance. It's really critical that we do that, and I think this is what we're seeing is is uh, people haven't quite sort of integrated that yet into their life. A couple of measures I want to have you touch on relative to reopenings. I know the phases that, that we have around the states are on hold for various counties, including Benton and Franklin, though we have now advanced to, to phase two. But what is the status of, of any activity with that? around the rest of the state uh, wanting to be able to maybe open up more? Mm -hmm. Right. Well, what we have been doing is really focusing on the businesses and how do we put in place sort of uh, safe guidelines for businesses and then working with them. So we've been tweaking those over the last couple of months. And you'll see that we've been putting out new guidance for how a particular business could operate in phase two and phase three. And we know that that, you know, can be done uh, safely if folks really follow um, the guidelines. So that's really where we've been putting our emphasis right now is how can we sort of work with more business sectors and get the safe guidelines in place for them. And then we've been adding that into the sort of phase two and three uh, um, guidelines. So it won't necessarily be a 
Benton and Franklin, you get to go to phase three. It'll be, okay, this particular business, or we'll, we'll start allowing some of these uh, incremental types of activities based on the numbers and based on the data. Right. That's what we've been doing now. And we, we are constantly evaluating our plan and trying to figure out how we need to tweak it going forward. Um, so, because what we know is we've, you know, we've done the safe start. We've opened businesses uh, to a great extent. Now we have to think about how we sustain this for the long term. So we continue to look at this, um, and we'll do so ongoing. And finally, I, I want to have you touch before we go to our first break, and that's on the school plans around the state. And I know that's a local decision that DOH wants each particular school district to make. But with the, the statistics that you just talked about and certainly some of the current, you know, we have people on both sides of the map here and obviously around the state. What is DOH recommending, especially with the colder weather and the flu coming? Mm-hmm. So we have um, uh, and we do support that this is a local decision because we think that folks have to understand their communities, their school situation. Um, you know, if it's a rural school with not a lot of kids in it, you know, you can easily accommodate some of the distancing measures, et cetera. But our basic rule um, of thumb has been, number one, if your rates start coming down to 75 cases per 100,000 um, uh, over a 14-day period, that you really should be uh, bringing back students, uh, the starting with the youngest students uh, first, and um, those who have special uh, health needs or education needs that can't be met online, start there. Be, take a slow, cautious approach. And we're even um, fine with this for um, uh, rates above 75 per 100,000. So we think taking that approach and, again, looking at your local conditions, understanding how much space your school has, can you distance uh, students, how can you make a hybrid model work? Um, those are all things that uh, we support. And then implementing the guidelines that we have to help keep uh, our kids and, and staff and students safe. We're visiting with Secretary of Health, Dr. John Wiesman. He's graciously agreed to stay with us for one more segment. We'll talk more with Dr. Wiesman right after this. You're listening to Cadillac On Call on 610 KONA. This program provides general information only. Any comments or information presented are strictly for educational purposes. Cadillac and 610 KONA do not endorse any of the suggestions made by the presenter or callers. Now back to Cadillac On Call. Once again, Jim Hall. Visiting with Washington State Secretary of Health, John Wiesman. And Dr. Wiesman, a few quick questions relative to COVID before we move on for a few questions on the upcoming flu. Uh, Today, just today, I think it was the CDC had changed its definition of close contact. And now it's, I think it was six, within six feet for a sustained 15 minute period. Now it's within six feet over a 24 hour period. Just another example of how these, how how we keep learning and changing and having to adapt with, with this virus. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think that's what we're doing is we're learning as we go and as um, we find sort of um, somebody who's become infected or an outbreak in conditions we didn't uh, understand prior to that, we take that information and turn that into updated guidance. 
And here in Washington, actually, our health officers have been looking at that for some time, and, and I think many of them have already been sort of using that new approach of looking at sort of cumulative time that somebody might have been around uh, someone who we know is infected as compared to thinking that it had to be sort of in a 15-minute increment timeline. So. Um, that's our, you know, that's what we need to do is keep taking information that we learn, um, just like we've been learning that, you know, there are people who have extended sort of illnesses after getting COVID, um, either uh, extreme fatigue or uh, long-term sort of um, respiratory issues. So um, important that everybody keeps listening to your program and uh, gets the updated information. Yeah, thanks for that plug. Some other news that came out of your office today relative to the vaccine preparation and how that would be distributed. distributed. What can you share with that? And obviously that's uh, several months away. Right. So we are gearing up for when a COVID-19 vaccine is available and ready for use. We know that when vaccine first comes out, there will not be nearly enough for uh, all folks. So we're going to have to work in prioritizing uh, this. And we've been looking at the national framework around that. And it appears that probably in the first group of people who will receive the vaccine are high-risk health workers and first responders. So we are gearing up for that and how we'll distribute the vaccine to those folks and um, have been preparing all of our systems to be able to capture the vaccine information. The federal government will deliver it to the places that we indicate. So uh, our plans were due, our initial plans were due to the federal government last Friday. And uh, so we're working from that and updating those as we get more information. Would want, I want to get a couple of comments from you, if we could, on, on the upcoming flu season. You'll be happy to know Cadillac, the local Benton Franklin Health District, and Tri-Cities Community Health are teaming up for a drive-through uh, free flu vaccination clinic on Halloween Day. Um, but obviously all the more reason uh, with the COVID and then where we are on the calendar and where flu is, uh, certainly uh, that, that's all the more reason to get those flu shots. Absolutely, it really is. Um, uh, and we encourage everybody six months and over to get their flu shot. I got mine a couple weekends ago, and I know the governor got his as well. Um, um, but we don't want to go into this you know, fall surge with also needing to compete with the flu in terms of hospital space, for example. Uh, And since we have a vaccine for flu um, and we can prevent that, it's the best way to keep your family safe. We really do encourage everybody to get out there and get that off your to-do list. Check that one off. And earlier in the program, you touched on this pandemic fatigue, but yet your counsel to continue to to continue to uh, practice the distancing and mask wearing and and your contacts with with friends and even relatives. But with the holidays approaching, obviously, is it a cautious approach on how families approach their gatherings, uh, not only Thanksgiving, but during the Christmas season as well? It is a cautious approach. And I think one of the things that's important is that people have conversations with their family or folks who they're thinking of gathering with. And there are things you can do to make this safer. 
Uh, one is, you know, if are you going to be around people who are a bit older, people who have chronic diseases? If so, really think about uh, what you're doing. Uh, if you're going uh, to visit someone that you haven't been with, you know, can you essentially limit your contact to other people for two weeks before so that you can not uh, be in a period where you might be um, uh, developing the symptoms and not know it? Um, and then have the conversation about how are you going to handle um, the distance and where are you going to meet and can you meet outside and if so then people should dress in layers and or you know whatever the approach is going to be even indoors if you want to keep some windows open to keep the air circulating okay so people should layer up having that conversation um, is really important and I think just recognizes again that we have to be careful with our friends and our relatives as well not just strangers we have just a couple of minutes before we let you go. I, just maybe a, a, a simple question, uh, kind of a uh, and but question, but what gives you pause and what gives you hope as we sit here in mid-October in the midst of this pandemic? So I think what gives me pause is the rising numbers right now and knowing that we are going into the fall uh, and people are going to be indoors. And we are seeing a fair number now of folks getting sick who are uh, just having these small family gatherings uh, or, or friends over, whether it's you know watching a game on TV or a birthday party or something like that. So that gives me a great deal of pause and concern. But what gives me hope is you know we've squashed uh, our rising numbers twice before and Washingtonians come together, and I think when they see this threat, they do what they you know, need to do to keep themselves and the people they care about safe. And uh, so I'm confident that uh, folks will, will do that again. Um, I, know it's a, I, I know it's a long haul, um, but we don't get to sort of decide the timing of this, actually. The virus really kind of decides that for us. Might it be for people in our area that hard lesson to see what's happening in other parts of the country, places like Wisconsin, where I know their hospitals are really slammed, I think Missouri and other states uh, back in, in the Midwest and on the East Coast? Is that something that we've been there and we don't want to go back there? Exactly. And, you know, we're seeing that in other parts in the U.S., in, um, you know, Europe and other places around the globe, we're seeing the fall surge. And as you say, you've been there. So I hope people use that as motivation uh, to uh, take these measures and uh, keep themselves and the ones they care about safe. All right. We have just a, a closing comment of time for you. And I know it's something that our health district colleagues locally <laughs> repeatedly say, but maybe a takeaway message in those reminders that we all know so well, but probably as you're saying, uh, amidst this pandemic feed, we all need uh, a pandemic feeling that we're feeling the fatigue. Uh, what's that closing message of what we need to remind ourselves to do? Um, remind ourselves, I think, that um, um, this is something we can do. Uh, we've got it within us. And, you know, we should still take time to be with others. Just do it safely. Um, we are, you know, we are social creatures. And um, there are many ways to engage and many ways to do that safely. So find out what works for you um, and celebrate that. And I would also just say find something that makes your heart sing and do it. <laughs> 
And, and I would I have you want to comment, too. The last thing I'd like to address, we're seeing uh, both at all the universities across the state, particularly WSU and the University of Washington, they've had these outbreaks. And, and again, they're not even in class. They're seeing these outbreaks where they're in person. So, again, uh, for all age groups, this applies. It does. And again, it's the kind of thing I said. It's the social gatherings that are uh, that are the problem here. Um, and the scary thing about the university outbreaks is that we know that these often start in young kids, the 18 to 25-year-olds, but then we start seeing it go to the older age groups. And that's, that's also scary because then we're having more people with chronic diseases and you know, older people who are really at risk for pretty severe complications. Dr. John Wiesman, Secretary of Health for the State Department of Health, thank you so much for taking the time with us. We'll be back with the second half of Cadillac on Call right after this. You're listening to Cadillac on Call on 610 KONA. This program is not a substitute for direct consultation with your own health care provider. Always consult your health care provider for your specific condition, especially if you have or suspect you may have a medical problem. Now back to Cadillac on Call. Here again, Jim Hall. If you missed any part of our program, Cadillac on Call is available on podcasts. Simply search Cadillac on Call on Spotify, Google, or any platform where you get your favorite podcasts. Welcome back to the program. Again, our thanks to Washington Secretary of Health, John Wiesman. We are now going to get the local perspective from here in our community. The health officer of Benton and Franklin County Health District, Dr. Amy Person, is gracious enough to join us. Welcome, Dr. Person. Thank you for joining us this evening. I think you got to hear a little bit of what Secretary Wiesman's messages were, but maybe begin by just a reaction, uh, hearing some of these rates. Uh, he called it a second surge. Yes, that that is our concern in Benton and Franklin counties, as well as across the state and across the country. Our rates of rise have not been as dramatic as they are seeing in other areas but we are watching very closely. You know, over the past eight months, we have all learned this new terminology, not to mention how to try and interpret and understand the various metrics that inform all of the decisions surrounding COVID. Certainly case counts, hospitalizations, the number of deaths, the percent of people who test positive. What is your comfort level with these metrics in our areas where we stand right now? I'll say that I'm concerned, but our rates are still significantly below uh, where they were in July when we were at our peak. And locally, at least, uh, the numbers of hospitalizations and of deaths, we are not seeing the increases that have been reported in other areas. Granted, uh, we may be too early to see that, this could also reflect the fact that the majority of cases we're seeing now are in our 20 to 60-year-olds, so our young adults and our working adults, rather than the kids or the elderly. And on the topic of kids, certainly I know you've uh, been spending a great deal of time uh, with the school districts, your team as well, uh, making sure their plans that, that the, as they go back into the hybrid learning models are as safe as possible. Are you comfortable with where things stand, even though we're starting to see an increase in rates? Yes, I am. We've been following those numbers very closely. And from our 
experience with the private schools that have been back uh, in uh, nearly full capacity since the beginning of the school year. Uh, We have not seen outbreaks. We have not seen significant increase in case rates in our elementary school-age children. All of those speak to the fact that Schools are not going to be a major contributing portion of our case rates. Let's move on to the to the flu. And I know um, Catholic is proud to partner with the Health District and Tri-Cities Community Health on a drive-through clinic uh, happening on October 31st, Halloween. It's happening from 9 to noon at Ochoa Middle School in Pasco. Uh, can you overstate the importance for the need for everyone to get a flu shot? No, there's, this is critical uh, this year because we need to ensure that we protect everyone against any viral respiratory infection, against any infection uh, that may lead to increased hospitalizations or worse, increased uh, death. So a flu shot is not just protection against influenza, uh, but it really is another tool in helping us to minimize the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic by preserving our health care and hospital systems. And for people getting uh, the flu shot, I know is, is now obviously the, the everybody is hopefully um, there's plenty of supply available. But for different age groups, what's your advice? I know, isn't it for the older age groups, uh, there's actually a higher dose um that they should be getting? Yes. People that are 65 and older, uh, the recommendation is for them to get the high-dose flu vaccine if it's available. But the most important thing is to get vaccinated. So if you're at your doctor's office or at the pharmacy uh, and they don't have high-dose and you don't know if you're going to be able to get back, to get a shot, get what's available, because the best vaccine uh, is the one that you receive. And I know this drive through clinic is for primarily adults, so ages 19 and older, if my memory serves correctly. Uh, so kids, obviously, it's important. I know they won't be offered at this particular clinic, but get into your pediatrician, get into your, your provider to get your children vaccinated. Yes. Flu shots are... Uh, important for everyone age six months and older. Uh, What's wonderful about this partnership uh, with Cadillac and the Tri-Cities Community Health is that it's an opportunity uh, to get adults vaccinated who don't have uh, health insurance, don't have access to care otherwise. And we know that's a growing uh, concern with some of the economic downturn that people have suffered because of the COVID-19 pandemic. We have just a minute or two left for you, and I'll return to our topic, I guess, and it applies to the flu as well as COVID-19. But but certainly I know um, when Heather's on with us, when you are on with or are on with us, when Dr. Wiesman is on with us, uh, all of these things about wearing masks and social distancing and making sure we're practicing proper hygiene as well, again, those can't be overstated, especially as we're enduring this fatigue of this pandemic. Yes. We do need to persist, and the good thing is 
most people um, are doing what they need to do. Uh, I think Dr. Wiesman uh, hit the nail on the head when he said people know that uh, if they're at work or they're going to the grocery store uh, or maybe they're going to be in a large crowd, they're they're thinking about maintaining that distance, wearing their mask. Uh, where we're letting our guard down uh, is when we're with extended family, when we're with friends, um, because we feel comfortable, because we feel safe. And so we forget that uh, anyone could have COVID-19 and could pass it to us or we could pass it to them uh, if we haven't had it already. So uh, let's, you know, show our love for everybody around us, whether friends, family, or strangers, uh, by wearing our masks, maintaining that six-foot distance, uh, trying to keep those uh, get-togethers small and keep them outside for as much of the rest of the year as we can. Dr. Amy Person, thank you for taking the time to be with us today again on October 31st from 9 until noon, a drive through flu clinic, and it's free. And again, it's uh, the, the audience is for those people that may not have insurance and may not have the ability to, to get a flu shot under normal circumstances. It's happening at Ochoa Middle School in Pasco from 9 to noon, a partnership between Tri-Cities Community Health, the Benton Franklin Health District, and Catholic Regional Medical Center, October 31st from 9 to noon at Ochoa Middle School in Pasco. Back with our final minutes of Catholic on Call in just a minute. You're listening to Cadillac on Call on 610-KONA. This program provides general information only. Any comments or information presented are strictly for educational purposes. Cadillac and 610-KONA do not endorse any of the suggestions made by the presenter or callers. Now back to Cadillac on Call. Once again, Jim Hall. Throughout the pandemic, so many people have come together in our community to answer the call to keep the community safe and well during this unprecedented time. First responders, area long-term care facilities, and of course, our hospitals and clinics. And at Catholic, many teams have been working tirelessly to respond to the pandemic all across the health system. And we're fortunate today to close our program with a few minutes with Riza Khalil, who's the chief executive at Catholic, to get his perspective on where things stand from a health care perspective. And Riza, we've touched on how hospitals in other parts of the region and the country are being stressed during this time. Now, what's the status at Catholic at, at this point relative to COVID? Hey, Jim, thanks. It's good to, good to be with you. You know, at Cadillac, uh, the the typical questions that we get asked, and I'll start with those, is, you know, how are you doing with beds? How are you doing with ventilators? All those sorts of things. Our census uh, is lower than it was in the summer. It has been for a number of weeks. Uh, We're seeing a steady number of uh, people in our community needing to be hospitalized. The concern, obviously, as we look at uh, spread, not only in other areas, but in our local community, uh, and watch that carefully, uh, has been from the beginning that, you know, we, we quote, unquote, I need to flatten the curve to prevent the healthcare systems from being overwhelmed. I think the concern uh, that's a little different for me, and I've, you've heard me articulate this in the past, is, you know, supplies uh, and beds and things like that are, are all things that we should be concerned about, and of course, PPE as we were. But the bigger issue for me is uh, how are our people doing uh, keeping up with this? And when you look at uh, just the human cost of this, the toll that this is taking on our caregivers and providers, 
yes, there is a toll that comes with very large numbers that we um, you know, may have to, uh, to take. But really, the period of time that's gone on, we're in the fall, um, and we have been careful about not communicating that we know when the end of this is coming or anything like that. So we're prepared for the, for the worst and managing through it. But it's a bit like handing somebody a, a five-pound weight and saying, hey, can you lift this two or three times? And they say, sure. Uh, but if you give somebody that same five-pound weight and say, hold your arm out in front of you for an hour holding up that weight, <laughs> it's going to be a little bit of a different situation. So that, that's how I've been thinking about it a little bit. And uh, so my encouragement, as, as all others, continues to be, you know, let's not focus so much on do you have enough ventilators and are we at peak capacity, but what's the wear and tear doing to the, the cost of our caregivers and their uh, their well-being. And we're in, um, I think if you look at the phases of a, a disaster, and we've been talking about this, as you know, Jim, with our team, you know, there's a pre-disaster phase, kind of a heroic phase where people rally, a, a honeymoon phase maybe when people in the community are really feeling cohesive. Uh, and then there's a bit of a disillusionment phase before things um, really start to turn the other direction and you move into kind of a reconstruction period. And I, I believe we are in this disillusionment period right now where this has gone on for so long that people are quite tired and now uh, watching the rest of the country with a little bit of trepidation that are these numbers that are going up uh, around us. Is this going to happen now uh, here in the Tri-Cities and what will that look like for our health care providers? So that, that's kind of my perspective on it right now. And certainly with the numbers uh, being down to the, to, you know, I, I think we had you on in early July and, and the number that sticks out in my mind was, was there were 59 COVID patients at, at Catholic Medical Center uh, on that particular day. And to see right. that we're at 10 or 11 now is, is very comforting, but that doesn't mean, as you say, that stress doesn't exist. That was four or five months ago. And again, we're still not you know, patients in many cases aren't able to have the the visitors like we normally would allow them because of this. So that adds to that stress for staff. Yeah, and whether it's uh, one patient or 60 patients or 100 patients, we are managing under the COVID protocols uh, and treating uh, all patients, regardless of of the issue that they have, similar ways uh, in terms of visitors that they're allowed to have with them in terms of all the things we have to do to keep everyone safe. So, um, the level of stress is is not uh, necessarily uh, directly proportionate to just the the total number of folks that have the uh, the virus. It's really the whole system is structured until we get to a to a better point around keeping us uh, very much locked down and um, and safe. As people know, we are part of the Providence Catholic is part of the Providence Health System, uh, Western United States. I think it's 50 plus hospitals. But one of the issues you touched on is that mental health component. And I know all throughout the the Providence system, that has been a key issue for staff is making sure there there are mental health resources available for the staff that might be feeling some some effects of this. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. So. You know, through Providence and locally as well, we've got access to a, a number of resources for staff. And, you know, and keep in mind that these are staff um, that are challenged with their own issues at home with their families and, you know, kids in school and all the things that the patients and community members that are coming to us for help are challenged with. So uh, in many cases, coming to work all day, trying to help people that are challenged with some of the same things that may be, may be going through in, in their own lives. So a big focus uh, for us continues to be making sure our, our caregivers are supported and getting the the, um, the resources they need as we continue to move through this. We have just a couple of minutes left, and I'd like you to address uh, that, that community component. It, it's really been 
amazing to see the way this community, and you touched on it, it's been going on for so long, but the community continues to really, I know, you know, whether people, like, colleagues of mine, when they're out seeing people and they, oh, you work at the hospital or you're a nurse or you're a, you work wherever at the Catholic or a health facility or a first responder, and, and they're always very reverent to, to the work that they're doing. So I, I'm sure from your view that that means a lot, uh, knowing that your people are being supported throughout the community. Oh, absolutely. There's been such an outpouring since the beginning. And then seeing our city and county officials, too, in the summertime rally to try to get the community um, really in line with some of the masking and and other things and the success we've had as a community, I think, rallying around some of those things, which uh, maybe points to why here in eastern Washington, though our rates are still a little high, we have seen them come way down since the summer and uh, are not spiking yet here in the Tri-Cities like they are in some other areas. So that's a lot to do with community support for each other, for us, and then just getting information out there. Thanks to you, Jim, and to the folks that have come on this show, um, sharing real, accurate information as we know it, as it evolves over time. And that's the best we can do with things like this, try to tell people the truth of all the information we know up to the moment and uh, continue to power through. And maybe that point from a leader of, of, of a lot of healthcare workers in this community for those people, I know that the efforts to wear masks and social distance, maybe do it on behalf of the people that are at the bedside taking care of these patients. Absolutely. I think more, more than ever, the message about masking and all this, it's, it's about, you know, helping other people, thinking about your neighbor, thinking about your friend, thinking about the healthcare worker, uh, as much as it is about protecting yourself. So I, I know others have emphasized that message, and I'll just continue to, to uh, get behind that same thing. It's, it's all about community and about uh, being here for each other. Risa Khalil, the Chief Executive Catholic, thanks for taking up a few t- a minutes of your time to be with us to conclude our program. And again, I'd like to remind you, if you still need that flu shot, October 31st from 9 to noon at Ochoa Middle School in Pasco, Tri-Cities Community Health, Catholic, and the Benton Franklin Health District offering a free drive through clinic. And there will be doses for uh, the 65-plus that needs that high-dose uh, flu shot as well if you need to get that shot. Again, October 31st, 9 to noon in Pasco. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk again next week.